Well, a creative deal that I recently did was I got owner financing for eight single families and a three unit. I had to put 20% down. I have three years to balloon payment. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam AAA Adams, and today I have Chad Eisenhart on the podcast, and we're going to really help and dive in and figure out how you can get a little bit more off-market deals, because right now, times are tough, but Chad keeps finding deal after deal after deal, so I thought I'm going to have him on the show, and I'm going to share with you the Facebook audience and um, the regular listeners on the podcast as well. Um, if you're on the podcast right now listening to this, uh, check us out on Facebook. You can always ask your questions. So that means if you're live on Facebook, I am monitoring it right this moment and I will continue to monitor it throughout the episode. So if you do have questions, just shoot them uh, in the comments and we'll get to them live. But for now, Chad Eisenhart is going to give you a bit of his background as it pertains to today's topic, which is off-market deals. So, Chad, tell me what we need to know about you as it pertains to off-market deals. Uh, well, I market direct to seller. Um, I picked up a uh, – did my first indication with a 240-unit self-storage facility. Uh, we closed on that deal in August. I had a prior business, which I also sold in August. So I'm a full-time real estate investor. And since then, I had 24 units of my own at that time, and I'm now just shy of 50, four months later. Um, Perfect, perfect. So um, take me back to the very first deal you ever did. Uh, I don't care if it was a big deal or a small deal. Take me back to the first real estate deal you ever did. Um, What year was that? Uh, 2001, and my second one was 2005. Okay, 2001 and then five. Perfect. So t- that one in 2001, how did, how did the first one go almost 20 years ago? Uh, for sale, I needed an off place for my business. It turned out that was a, had four rental or rooms in that to rent. Um, so it was a five unit uh, seller financing sign a window said for sale by owner. And I put $5,000 down. I still own that property today. It's the best investment I ever made. Awesome. Awesome. So you feel like... You did the first one in 2001, then 2005. Then was it a long time before you did your second one or your third one, I mean? Uh, no, from there, after 2005, I was doing, doing about two deals a year, buy and okay. hold. Uh, I stopped in 2012, and at that point, I hit 24 units. And you call yourself the buy and hold investor. Is that right? I'm a buy and hold investor. You're okay. a buy and hold. Perfect, perfect. All right, so there's four steps to getting these off-market deals. What is the first step? Uh, getting out and talking to people. So uh, you go to meetups, uh, talk to uh, owners, um, well, and knocking on doors. So it's just getting out and talking to people and looking for deals. Getting out, talking to people, looking for deals. You did mention that you found uh, one at at meetups, right? So let's let's go into that history. I really want to hear um, how you were able to successfully get a deal by going to meetups. So uh, an investor I met up at a prior meetup. I had talked to him about partnering in uh, putting money into a syndication as we were leaving a meetup and chit chatting on the way out. I told him I was looking for properties and he said he had a four unit he was looking to sell and he was looking to, uh, he was willing to owner finance uh, some of the property and we went from there. Okay. So he owner financed some of it and that was, that was a five unit. 
or uh, it was a four unit four unit and he owner financed some of it how did you make that work like was he just struggling for money so you so he decided to go ahead and owner finance or or what i i was told by someone else i called him at a weak moment so i got myself i was told by someone else i got a good deal and i called him at a weak moment but um now he showed me a appraisal on the property. I just kept following up with him because it took us about two months to uh, come to terms. And actually, I accepted his terms because it was a good deal. But he showed me an appraisal on the property. He said, I'll take 20% less and you give me 20% down, I'll finance the rest. And I said, okay. And it was occupied. Okay. So did he own this outright to be able to finance the rest? No, he had to set, settle on his loan. So no, he, but he had cash to cash on hand. So. Okay. Okay. So you, so that it wasn't like a wrap. Was it a wrap where they kept that other loan in place or did he like, he paid off the loan and then seller financed 80% to you? He said, he satisfied his loan. Okay. And he owns it free and clear. Cool. And he's financing the best. Cool. Have you, have you ever got other deals besides that fourplex from meetups or from talking to people? Uh, the self-storage facility we purchased that I had a wholesaler tell me about it and I ended up following up with him before I actually went to the, um, Joe Fairless event last, uh, winter. Um, that's when I heard about it, about a week before I went and I kept following up with the owner and following up with the owner. And then about two months later, nothing came of it. About two months later, I followed up again. Um, but that was again, direct owner and just, um, following up to, uh, you know, hearing about that lead from another per- person following yeah. up from there. Yeah, that you that you were just speaking with you. <laughs> it's just a relationship business, right? Is yeah, definitely a relationship business. Love it, love it. Well, okay. So step one was getting out, talking to people. Um, I've had others on the show that said you just tell everybody what you do. And if everybody knows what you do, they might be able to hire you or they might be able to buy from you or they might be able to sell to you. Um, so if, if, you're, if everybody just knows who you are, what you do, if you're out there talking to people, they know that you're a real person, you're going to be top of mind when they think about this 240 or 250 unit storage facility that you got back in February of 2019, right? That's when I first heard of the deal, but it took till August till we closed. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that happens with some of our deals too. Like they'll take 10 months to close or eight months to close or six months to close. Um, but it's worth it, right? Oh yeah. All right. Perfect. So, so talking to people, that's huge. I love it. And you gave us several examples of, of what to do, how to do it. And it's just being yourself, letting people know what you do. What step two out of these four steps for really being able to find the most amount of off-market deals? And, well, another step is to the marketing. So I'm going direct to sellers. So I'm mailing postcards to, I've, I've tailored down, um, I'm focused on single family, multifamily, you know, two, three, four units. That's primarily what's in this market. There's not, there's some big complexes, but not a whole lot, but it's a lot of hundred year old homes in this area. So I'm doing direct mail, uh, my primary target is an older owner maybe he's had the property for 30, 40 years and they're just looking to move on. It's like, okay, give somebody else a chance with this property. Um, yeah. You know, and those people aren't necessarily going to be on the internet or searching, um, you know, so them getting a postcard in the mail, I think it, it's definitely been worthwhile. 
a postcard in the mail. And you said you have a marketing background and this was kind of your way of skipping the need that other people say you have to have, you know, this high SEO when you got to pay $30,000 for a, for a SEO friendly website. And then you have to pay $30,000 for a consultant to make sure that you're hitting all the metadata and, and whatever else they are talking about, you were able to skip all that expense and go straight to the seller with some direct mail. And you're focusing on two to four units in, quote, this area. What was this area again? Uh, I'm in York, Pennsylvania. So I'm actually focused probably within a three or four mile radius right in of the center of the town. So okay. it's a very small, tight geographic area. Okay. And um, so you've been in marketing, you've been sending a lot of these uh, direct mail, you probably have done something that they call AB testing or split testing, which kind of means that you've sent out one postcard and a different postcard, and you picked the one that continues to work best. And so what I'd like to give to the listener right now who wants to learn this, they're trying to figure out how to get this done, how to do this, and, and they want to streamline their success. What is a couple of details about the postcard that you are seeing get the most results that they might be able to imitate in their market? Um, well, I've tried letters. I've tried handwritten letters. Um, the postcard that I'm sending, it has my picture on. And I think what really gets people, in fact, I asked the last, last property I bought, he liked it that I said, I buy rental properties. And it wasn't like I was buying houses. He thought I could pay, be able to pay more than the person that wanted to come in, buy his property, and flip it, where the landlord that's going to buy and hold it is going to pay more. Um, and I think, and I, and another person I bought from, you know, these people want to pass it on to someone that's going to hold on to it, maybe take care. You know, they probably have a per, okay. The A group I bought, he had a relationship with his tenants, and so he probably wanted to hand it over to someone that's going to take good care of the property, keep his tenants in place, and you know. Love is, I wouldn't say love is product he does, but, um, you know, held him for a long time. And so target message of I buy rental properties versus I buy houses, I think has helped stand out. I love that. There's so much psychology that goes behind it. Like you mentioned that a lot of people with their single family homes, they've had it for a long time. They, they either have emotional an emotional attachment to the property. It may have been their first residence and then they moved out and now they have some tenants, residents that are paying rent to live there. And like, they really care about that house. They, they want somebody mm -hmm. who's not just going to come in and, and gut it and blah, 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 blah. And then the other thing is that the way that you address the postcard is getting a higher response rate with, with everybody else. They used to say, Oh, we're, we're getting 10%. And then when I started, everybody was saying we're getting 1%. And then I was in, or still, still am in this area, but I was mailing direct mail and I was getting a half of 1% response rate. I feel like there's a lot of people that have gotten 10 postcards or more Mm -hmm. And one of them is yours. And if they're actually thinking about sale, selling, 
they look at these other nine and they're like, mm, probably not going to pay, probably not going to pay, probably going to just destroy it, probably going to put a pop top on it. Uh, you know, that flooring that I put in is, you know, they wouldn't understand it. And all of a sudden this guy comes in that says, you know, I want, I want a rental property. I want to keep this for a long time. That person's going to be thinking, yeah, this this person gets it. He understands me. He's, he's probably going to take really good care of the house. And this is going to be what, the, what I want. I don't want just a fix and flipper or I don't want just somebody to come and pay less. So that's huge. Thank you for going into that detail. That's a few things that anybody can take. Super actionable uh, advice. The third thing that you ha- said that, that you do that make sure that you can get more off-market deals than other people is something that I never did. And this is, might be why when I was putting out tens of thousands of dollars uh, of mo- a month in my marketing for direct mail, even at the half of a percent, I would get calls. I was putting out thousands and thousands and thousands, and I would get calls, but I never did a deal, and I think it's because I didn't do what you do in number three. So tell us a little bit about number three. Follow-up? Follow-up. The fortune's in the follow-up, right? Oh, my goodness. Well, the self-storage facility itself, I would, when I first spoke to him, it took a little while to get him on the phone, and the guy has probably 200 other units houses, maybe 400 units. Um, and so that was, you know, homes in the center of town versus the self-storage facility. So this was not his niche, but I would call him and text him and he wouldn't return my calls. The only way to get him would be, I would drive to his office and I'd see his truck outside and I'd stop in. He'd spend an hour or two hours. There were days that we spent three hours hanging out together once I stopped into his office, but he would rarely, I mean, we paid him like a million, million dollars for this property and he wouldn't get back to me but the only way was for me to stop in his office. And so as much as that felt like, Hey, this guy doesn't really want to talk to me. I mean, that would like 10 times I had to do that over like a two month period. Very, very interesting. Yeah. I remember when I bought my first property. Um, well, my first uh, multifamily in 2008. Um, I, went to one bank and I said, I need to get a loan. And they said, well, 2008 just happened. We've learned our lesson from 05, 06, 07. And um, so like, we need to be really strict on our guidelines now. And your business is too new. I see that you have good credit. I see that you have uh, a good income, but I'm sorry, you only have one year of tax history for your new business. And, um, and we just can't go off that anymore. And so I, what I did is something that not everybody else would do. I went to the next bank and the next bank and the yep. next bank and the next mm-hmm. bank. And I, and I finally said, well, no bank is doing this. So let me just go to somebody private, uh, like a private lender. And it worked. It actually worked. But it's that tenacity. It's that like follow up, if you will, continuing to go to his office 10 plus times continuing to call, call and call and he never answers. And then all of a sudden you, you see his truck, you stop in, you talk to him for an hour or two and it didn't take once or twice or three times. It didn't take that 10 hours stopping there for three hours, three times. You had to go seven more times and you were willing to go seven more times to buy this property. Most people wouldn't do that. 
Most people would have thought that it was over by then. Just like me, when I was going wholesaling, I called them and I said, hey, do you want to sell your house for half of its value? And they said, no way. And I hung up and like I kept doing that and nothing ever came of it. I did one deal, made five grand, but I really lost tens of thousands of dollars in marketing because I didn't follow up. So what you're saying is if you really want to get a deal, you basically got to bang on their door, literally, mm-hmm. until they either sell it to you or push you away. <laughs> that would be right, yeah. Awesome. I love that. A lot of value in this get, podcast today. You should get no three times, and then maybe it's a true. Maybe it's a no, true no three times. Okay, no three times. Write that down unless you're driving, then... Memorize it, write it down later. Uh, uh, no three times, that's where you're going for. Or, or belligerent cussing and never call me again. That, that's, that, is that a pretty good statement? Like if they do that, just drop it. If they're Maybe cussing. Maybe give them a little time to cool off. Okay, I love it. Chad is, is, he's ruthless. He is, what's the word for it? Relentless. I love it. Okay, so um, number four, Chad, and this one is huge because people talk. This business is smaller than we think it is. People know each other. In fact, I, I live in the Denver area. I host several meetups and it's like the same community of landlords and flippers Everybody knows everybody, and once you do something wrong, everybody knows about it. So what's number four, and why is it so important? Well, do what you say you're going to do. Um, one of my about one or two houses back, I, I went to get private money for that, and I reached out to – I set myself a goal. I'm like, okay, I'm going to find private money for this property. And um, so I started – you know, I kept following up with leads and following with leads, and I found a realtor that I heard of. Uh, I called him and you know, we met the next day and then following weekend, he said, yep, uh, I'm, I'll lend you the money. So, you know, it was all about, he, you know, I'm sure he reached out to other people that he knew because I had never met with, I heard his name over the last 20 years, but we had never met personally one-on-one and here this guy is willing to loan me money, you know, on one introduction that I cold called him. So. Awesome. Awesome. So let's just say somebody's brand new, like they're listening to this podcast, but they haven't yet done a deal. Now, that's not my normal listener. For some reason, I have a lot of listeners that are crushing it in multifamily. They're crushing it in single family, and they want to just keep crushing it and get the, these details of how to just kind of explode their business. But I know that there's a bunch that are getting inspired, and so I want you to speak with them for a moment. Uh, they're brand new. They're listening to this podcast. They live all over the country. And they are thinking to themselves, like, do what I'm say I'm going to do. Like, how do I do that? Where do I go from there? Um, how do I prove that? Is there some systems that you need in place? Is there some, do you need to like write down your, your, your values on your wall? Or what is it that can help the new person really get into being able to always do what they say they're going to do? Well, whatever deadlines that you set for yourself or you, tell a seller or a tenant or contractor. I mean, if you set a deadline or a time frame or a meeting that you follow up or when you meet with somebody, write, actually write notes. I've heard it said that when, if I'm meeting with you and you can see that I'm writing stuff down, you probably are going to have some trust that I'm going to follow through. 
and then review your notes later and make sure that you follow through on what you say you're going to, again, follow through and do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very good. So I guess what I'm saying is if I sat down with those same people as I was kind of um, meeting with them at lunch and trying to get to know them, get to understand them, all I would have had to do to have a better impression with them is just to have a notepad and take notes. I have heard from like Harvard business graduates uh, that apparently if you take notes, you do better on tests anyway. So it's like if I, if I took that note, even if I didn't refer back to it, I'd probably remember that person a little bit better. It kind of helps mm-hmm. you kind of get your thoughts out. So super, super valuable. And I think I'm going to start doing that. That's my, one of my main takeaways from this interview so far. And I've learned a lot is I just need to start taking a notepad with me whenever I go uh, to my lunches. I think that's brilliant. I, and I don't think too, I don't think enough people are doing it. So let's do this. We're going to get into the final five where I asked Chad my favorite questions and your favorite questions. But before that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought you'd be further along financially by now? If so, you're not alone. Many people find themselves wanting to ditch their nine to five, wishing they had more time with their family. What most people want is to simply live the life that they choose and with plenty of money to do so. The good news is you can live an abundant life through apartment investing. Mark and Tamil Kenny with Think Multifamily help you take back the time and freedom so that you can live free from the stresses that burden so many. Through multifamily investing, they teach you how to set your family up for a lifetime of true success and fulfillment. They have helped hundreds of people just like you. Patrick, for example, who since working with Think Multifamily has purchased over 900 units with another 850 under contract. And at 27 years old, was able to quit his demanding job in corporate America. Regardless of your age or profession, Think Multifamily can help you create the life of your dreams. As hosts of the new Think Multifamily podcast, Mark and Tamil will walk you through the journey step-by-step to make sure you are completely set up for success. Through this interview-style podcast, you will gain a proven strategic apartment investing system and hear stories from successful investors, all to help you be light years ahead of those who try to do it alone. Subscribe to the Think Multifamily podcast today at thinkmultifamily.com forward slash podcast. Chad Eisenhart, what's the most creative deal that you've ever done? Well, a creative deal that I recently did was I got owner financing for eight single families and a three unit. I had to put 20% down. Um, I have three years to balloon payment. Tenants in place. Three-year balloon payment. So what made um, what made you and the seller, or is it multiple sellers? Is it one seller? One seller. Okay, cool. Nine properties, nine, nine houses. So, so what made that three-year balloon payment? Was it you just, is it them not wanting to hold it for a long time, and then you coming back and saying, well, how about you just give me three years, show that they're cash flowing, and I'll be able to get a bank loan on it after? Is that kind of how it went, or...? Uh, I asked him if he'd be willing to do seller financing. He said yes. He came up with three years. I thought that was fine because I know 
I need to see, let the property season for at least six months or three years with more than enough runway. Okay, perfect, perfect, perfect. And that's something that the listener needs to take from from this is uh, creative real estate isn't just a bunch of lease options. It's not just a bunch of subject twos. It's not just owner financing. A fix and flip is a creative financing. A fix and flip is a way of getting a deal done. And what I mean by that, and you've heard this a lot in the Creative Real Estate Podcast, is creative financing means negotiating, creating a deal. It might not have been a deal, but you negotiate the right terms, the right price, and you create a deal. I, I call that creative real estate. And Chad just did that with this portfolio where he got a three-year balloon. A balloon means he'll pay it off in three years, but before that, he'll probably need to be pay, making some payments. But then the loan won't go any longer. He's going to have to refinance it with a bank. And that's something that he did by talking with the seller. Next question of the final five is, what is a book that you recommend? The One Thing by Gary Keller. Um, I list out my goals each week and I have, you know, up to a five or 20 year goal and break it down to a week by week situation. And basically what can you do this week to reach that five year goal or five or 20 year goal? Where do you want to be at the end of your life? And focusing on that so you're not spending you know, spending time for a year on a goal that you actually is, it turns out really is not even important to you. Yeah. I, I have that in my car right now. I picked it up yesterday and, um, and I've been planning to start reading that. Um, thank you for pushing me over the edge. I'll definitely get to it. The next one that I want to know, and, and this is really my favorite, I want to understand, I know you got started in real estate way back in 20-ish years ago. And 15-ish years ago, you did your second deal um, while I was just doing my first deal. You've been doing this for a long time, and you've been holding properties for a while. And right now, you have 240 or 250 units of self-storage plus all these houses that you just bought uh, recently. So you've been crushing it. But I want to just look where you were five years ago, and then if you could explain where you plan to be five years from today. So five years ago, I owned a food delivery business since 94 called Carry Out Courier. So if you heard of Grubhub, DoorDash, uh, we were doing it since 94. So I was engrossed in food delivery. Um, five years from now, uh, the whole goal in this situation is for my wife and I to live remotely. So right now I'm just working to build up enough passive income so we can pick up and, you know, live at the beach or, the goal is to live in, I wouldn't mind living in Switzerland for a month or so. And then I don't mind living here. So if I could come back here, you know, live for in York, Pennsylvania for a few months and then pick up and move somewhere else and come back randomly. Love it. Love it. Thank you. Chad, how do you give back? Uh, I do a podcast called Central PA Real Estate Investors Meetup Podcast. So I go to local meetups in the area, record them, and then just repurpose them out. And I've had a lot of people come up to me lately and say that they appreciate the uh, being able to catch up on the meetups when they're not they don't attend them. That's really cool. Yeah, I've never I've never heard of mm -hmm. anyone doing that. So that that is definitely the first. And I tell a lot of my listeners um, about my meetup. My meetup kind of changed my life. It kind of got me into the next place. I really blew it up as much as I could. And um, one of the things that I have done is recorded the meetup like on a Facebook Live 
and people around the country felt like they could attend and, and they liked it very, very much. I love the fact that you're recording these um, as and putting them on a podcast. It's something I've never thought of and it sounds like you're adding a lot of value to a lot of the local people there. So um, yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think that's a really good idea for a lot of people. Now, the last question before we let you go is, what is the best way for people to reach you, to find you or get a hold of you? Uh, my email is, uh, yeah, email would be the best way, which is chad, C-H-A-D, period, B-I-S, 1301, at gmail.com. Perfect. That is currently in the show notes. So if you didn't get it all the way, don't worry. Just literally all you have to do is grab your phone, scroll down a bit. You see the show notes. Chad's email is right there. Grab it. Send him a quick email. Tell him you appreciated him on the podcast, everything that he shared about off-market deals. Maybe you want to work with him in the future. Maybe you live in PA and you want to go to one of these meetups that he attends. Who knows? But scroll down, grab the email. You can reach out to him today. Chad, thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. We had some fun challenges on this that the audience might not even know about. We had some fun challenges trying to get this uh, podcast out to you. And um, Chad was a champ throughout every step of the way. So I appreciate you for that. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, my friend, think outside the box. Thanks for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. If you got value out of today's episode, we'd really appreciate it if you take the time to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Until next time, think outside the box.